the Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hey, what's up, everybody? Eric Franson, <coughs> Ajay Salveson. Welcome back from the weekend. A lot of different things to recap that happened over the weekend. Here on our Monday edition of the Full Court Press. A lot of Aggie focus today. A lot of things to cover. We've got Utah State football news. We've got Utah State basketball news. Uh, recapping what happened in Salt Lake City. Down at the Beehive Classic. Did you go? Uh, what do you think about the whole announcement that it's uh, going away? That there will no more be a Beehive Classic. Uh, and we'll... Look at the current state of things right now for Utah State basketball. News from the Utah State football program. Another player leaving early to head to the NFL. Uh, we also got high school basketball to recap from what happened over the weekend. Our pick six. Uh, Mountain West suspending players in football from an altercation that happened at the end of the regular season. So a lot of things to get through today. Uh, and a conversation I got to have with Tipa Naliai. So the football team has now landed in the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area. They are uh, in Frisco. They're getting, they, they left earlier today. They've just gotten there uh, this late afternoon. Uh, and throughout the week, we'll be continuing to do bowl preparations for Utah State and Kent State in the Frisco Bowl, which will take place on Friday. And a reminder on that, we've uh, thanks to the, the good folks there at the Frisco Bowl, We've worked out an arrangement where we'll have the full play-by-play coverage. And uh, so it'll be the full play-by-play that you can actually hear and follow locally. Uh, so it'll be on our sister station, KVNU. Pre-game coverage on uh, game day always starts two hours before. So that'll start at 3.30. And then at 5.30, we'll hand it off and uh, have the full play-by-play. And uh, when the game's done, Al Lewis, myself, Ryan Bohm will be back on the air breaking it down, taking your calls. So a big week for Utah State football. And in the span of just a few days, Jordan Love announcing that he's going pro. And now today, David Woodward announcing that he too is going to forego his senior year and try his hand at the next level. Ajay, were you surprised to see that announcement today from David Woodward? No. I knew he was going actually a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh just, I mean, based on that concussion that he had that knocked him out for the rest of the year, you get one more in college, your career's done. Uh, you give it a try if you can actually, you know, find a way to get a to get a look from the scouts, which he will. He'll get a lot of looks. You can get paid, um, and so you're you don't see your career go to waste without being paid for what you're being good at. And and David's really good at football. He's high IQ. Coach Anderson has spoken extremely high of him, um, and so. Uh, yeah, not not surprised at all. Happy for him. He should go. It's it's he absolutely, absolutely should go. I guess the thing that's encouraging to me is the fact that he feels like he can still play football, uh, because there was some thought that his football career would, was over, uh, not just at Utah State, but his future of football could be done. So if he feels like he's going to be medically clear enough. Uh, wish him the best of luck. It's too bad that he uh, only played the first seven games and set out the last yeah. five because of of uh, issues surrounding a concussion. But you don't mess with that. But again, yeah, it's 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 Gary Anderson taking care of the kids. Okay, he's not worried about David Woodward the player. He's worried about David Woodward the human being. And that's what Gary does. He he sees through the player and says, you know, this is a human being with a with a a lot of life ahead of him. A lot of life ahead of him. Um, I, I, I feel like him and the doctors made the right call. I know it's tough for David. It was tough for the team. It was tough for Coach. But, again, um, yeah, they absolutely made the right call. So uh, you can read his announcement on CashValleyDaily.com. Uh, he made the announcement on Twitter, Utah State issued a release. All that is available on CashValleyDaily.com. One thing that really kind of struck me about the the release and what he said. It, it's in the last paragraph. 
talks about I'm going to forego my senior season and chase my dream of playing in the NFL. Then the very last sentence. Before that, though, I am excited to cheer on my brothers one more time in our bowl game. So to me, that means he will not play in the bowl game, but he will be there with his teammates. Yeah, he's not going to play in the bowl game. There's, I, yeah, absolutely not. I, I, I'd be, I'd be shocked if he did. But yeah, he, he should be there for the team. Um, the coaches, the players, the staff—they all want him there, supporting, supporting these guys as, uh, as he, he's earned the right to be able to do so. Um, I think it's great. Uh, I love David. I, I love everything about David as a player. I love everything about David as a human being. He's a very classy, respectful, kind young man. Uh, he's going to do great things in the league. Whoever picks him up is going to get a steal. He's going to get someone with a lot of heart, some high IQ, desire, passion to play the game. Uh, it, it's a great pickup for whoever drafts uh, David Woodward. A year ago, he had 134 tackles. He led the Mountain West. This year, through seven games, he had 93. He didn't play in the last five, and he still leads the team in tackles. And by the way, he still made first-team defense on the All-Mountain West. <laughs> That's incredible. That tells you, and, and Gary Anderson said it, and you'll hear from Gary Anderson now later in the week, but in his press conference, he said that. He said, this isn't a pity party for David Woodward. It's respect from each team that's got, that had to face him of how good he was. How good he is, excuse me. It's a bit of a makeup from last year, too, probably. Oh, hell, don't even get me started. Dude, don't last even. Last year was such a joke that he got so little respect in the Mountain West. It's crazy what happens when the when the committee's not on mushrooms. <laughs> uh, this season, 93 tackles, uh, two sacks, five tackles for loss, uh, four forced fumbles leads the team. Uh, returned one of those eight yards for a second career touchdown. Really had... Two of those, but one of them got called back because of a penalty. Uh, he had a career-high 24 tackles in the game at Wake Forest. He was a one-man wrecking crew. Wow. Huh. That's incredible. So, uh, according to Utah State, he's going to start preparing for the Combine in January. We don't know if he's been invited to the Combine or not, but he's preparing himself for it. Um, the, the combine is February 23rd to March 2nd. Uh, USU's pro day is going to be in March. And can you imagine all the scouts showing up for that pro day? So I was at the last pro day, and it was packed. There was a lot of scouts there uh, with eyes on uh, a few players. Jordan Love and David Woodward in there, and probably Tipa Nalia. Tipa. Uh, Savon Scarver. Dominic. Mariner. Dominic Everly. Yeah. Caleb Rep. Yeah, I mean, don't – and this – People think I'm going to be exaggerating, but I'm kind of not. Don't be surprised if all 32 teams have a scout there to go scout every single one of these guys, right? Oh, yeah. If you're one of those guys that maybe, I'm not going to name names, but if you're a guy for Utah State who may have had a good career, but maybe not on necessarily the, the NFL draft boards right now, just by the association that these other guys and the gravity that they have, you, you could really benefit by getting some attention. Because all these guys are coming to see some of your teammates, man, make make the most of it and to take advantage of the uh, extra eyes that'll be there. Because you know what, it could be a situation like we're seeing right now with uh, Dallin Levitt. He went to the uh, Oakland Raiders and has kind of been parked there for a while and it's kind of come in and out a little bit. Now this where their season is at, he's actually getting a lot more playing time. They like what he's doing. Yeah. And they have some high hopes for him to uh, grow into a more significant role. That's the other thing, too, is is the role they'll play, right? Or I mean, compared to maybe before. Um, no, no. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna, there's about some stuff I was going to say. I'll, I'll keep quiet, though, because it, it's more speculation than anything. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just crazy. It's crazy that... Like, you look at how good this team is and how much talent they're going to be losing after the year. Like, everyone said, oh, we're losing a ton of talent after last year, and we were. But now you're losing Love, Tipa, Woodward, Scarver, Mariner, Rep. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Just the list goes on and on. Uh, there's a lot of, there's going to be a lot of I, uh, holes to fill. I'll say that. I'll say holes to fill. Yes. On both sides of the ball. All right. And 
there are every every year. I mean, that's just a part of college football. But um, the the who's you look at who's kind of already in the wings, waiting in the wings, or who got some time, or who could play significant roles next year. And maybe that's more of a deeper dive after the bowl game. Mm-hmm. But um, but I think that there there are some some great talents coming back. But you're right. There are some significant holes that will need to be filled in recruiting. JC transfers, graduate transfers, and if I'm not mistaken, need to be part of it. Dakin, Coach Anderson was on the road. I believe today through Wednesday, him and his staff were on the road. Or at least like last uh, week, he last was on week. the road Monday through Wednesday. Yeah, and I, but I think they're going to try and get some recruiting done when possible. But I know they have uh, media stuff. Tomorrow, no, I guess media stuff on Thursday, but they have activity, a charity event tomorrow, and uh, they have stuff lined up throughout the week. So I don't know how much recruiting they're going to get done. But I know after the game, a bunch of coaches are going out to continue the recruiting process, and so they won't hit the charter home till back to Logan. They'll stay out and do the recruiting as well. So this is a very important time of the year for a lot of for a lot of colleges, for a lot of coaches, but especially at this time. Early signing period begins Wednesday, the 18th, right, and goes till Friday. Uh, and, um, yeah, according to one uh, statistic during those three days, more than 80% of the prospects are going to sign their national letters of intent. Wow. So it used to be everything happened in early February, but they've uh, moved that up. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a busy couple of days for the Utah state coaching staff. To uh, to get who they think they want, who they want to uh, get in here to fill some of those those holes, for some of these guys that are leaving, or from uh, certain gaps that are there with guys coming back that maybe they think need to be shored up at different positions. So the big word today, uh, David Woodward, uh, leaving early, declaring to uh, go to the NFL draft, following his teammate uh, Jordan Love leaving uh, their senior seasons behind and trying out for the NFL. And, uh, again, the USU Pro Day is coming up in March, but the uh, the uh, combine, NFL combine, is coming up the end of February. We don't know if either one of those guys are going to get invites per se, but that uh, this is a possibility. So wish them the best of luck. Hope it goes well. Utah football uh, team is in Texas now. They've arrived today. And get ready for their bowl game against uh, Kent, uh, Kent State coming up on Friday. All right, we're going to take a quick step aside. When we come back, let's look at uh, what happened over the weekend with Utah State basketball. Let's not. It was a great atmosphere. It was a frustrating ending. We'll talk about that coming up on the Full Court Press. This is Jay from Daryl's Appliance. We have Christmas specials now for a limited time on select Whirlpool, Maytag, and KitchenAid appliances. Save hundreds on kitchen packages and laundry sets. Maytag and Whirlpool appliances at Daryl's. Now is the time to buy. Plus, we have 12 months no interest financing, and you get the Daryl's difference with our amazing service. Christmas specials now for a limited time at Daryl's Appliance. West on Airport Road, open until 6 p.m. on weekdays and 5 p.m. Saturdays. Downtown Benson. Winter is here. Don't ruin your snow removal equipment just because you didn't fix uneven concrete. Polylift Concrete Raising stabilizes the soil under your settled concrete through their deep foam injection. An upgrade to standard concrete raising that gets to the bottom of the issue guaranteed. Polylift raises sidewalks, driveways, even concrete steps and porches. There's no need to replace concrete that is sunk or settled. Just reposition it with Polylift. Visit poly-lift.com for your free estimate or call or text 435-999-9309. Polylift is locally owned and operated. Hey, it's me, the regular dad. I ask guys like you a few questions, a kind of parenting test. So here goes. What is this sound? Yeah, that's a tough one, isn't it? That's the sound a young teenager makes when he's done something he regrets. Maybe he got caught up in peer pressure, tried a few drinks at a party, and the next morning, well, he makes this sound. Kind of a sad sound, isn't it? Hear the embarrassment? the reluctance, the pulling away. If you recognize it, then you know exactly what to do. Listen. It might take a long time, a drive together, or a walk that turns into a talk, and that turns into an arm around his shoulder that means you understand. That's when you can really talk, when he knows you understand. 
Then the both of you can figure out how not to make the same mistake again. I know it's tough. Keep at it. You're doing great. This message brought to you by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson, and Ajay Salveson. I thought it was a great crowd at Vivint Smart Home Arena on Saturday night. Uh, I believe it was a record crowd, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a very good Utah State Aggie crowd. Attendance announced at 10,291. I thought it was 14. Maybe I was reading something else. You're probably reading something else. We're on drugs. I'm not too proud of the latter. Uh... Yeah, no, it was a great crowd. It was incredible. I'd say, it, by the way, I'd say it was like 70-30 Aggies in regards of crowd. Oh, late when they were doing the Scotsman? Yeah. I mean, it looked like it was almost all Utah yeah. people. Was that incredible or what? That was that was incredible. What was also incredible, I think the basketball game was really good. Uh, I thought the basketball game was, was really, really, really good. Uh, for... Uh, yeah, four times it was tied, five lead changes. I think a lot of that incurred in the second half. Um, you know, I I imagine how frustrating it must have been for that coaching staff and those players to go back and watch film on that game and just to see all the missed shots that just would not go in. Like, there was an automatic lid on that rim. I mean, Bean's putback goes in 99.9% of the time. Can't get it to go. Kettis follow-up doesn't go. Sam had it straight away, three off a nice screen that had space. Hits, and it's too long. Burrito's three in the corner when he was wide open. too long. Um, I mean, just time after time after time, shots that they always hit would not go in. It was just one of those, it was just one of those nights. And then BYU turns around on the other side, and, and TJ throws up a 30-footer and hits nothing but net. Uh, Tolson, get, I mean, uh, what I can't, I don't know how many threes they had total in the corner. Uh, but they had a, hit that big one. Yeah, them. they they had a ton of threes from the corner. They hit. It's um, just I don't know. It was it was a rough night for the Aggies shooting overall. I mean, Sam Merrill was two of ten, man. Two of ten and zero of four from deep. He had eleven points, but seven of them came from the line. Uh, Abel Porter was really good. He was five of seven from the field, three of four from deep. And he was receiving a lot of treatment on the on the uh, on the bench. Yeah, he back. was. Yep. Yeah, uh, and and that's the other thing. We'll get into that in just a little bit. But uh, Abel has you know thirteen points, four assists. Um, I thought Anderson had a great game. Yeah, and and he uh, he he saw his minutes diminish in the second half for some reason though. He played twenty seven, but I. What he he had to have played what fifteen or so in the first half. Six eleven from the field for fourteen points. He yeah. had uh, one assist, one block, one steal. And I thought he did a, a decent job. Four on, boards on Childs. Yeah, just bodying him. Dude, up, there's physical with him. There's only so much you can do with him. Yeah, I mean he's just such. He is a <laughs> he's a man child. Uh, he is just monstrous. And he did. Like, he did everything that you feared he would do. He took you outside the perimeter and hit a jumper. He'd take it to the hoop, draw a foul, and get the bucket. He did everything he wanted to do versus Utah State. When that team has Childs on the court, they're a different animal with Tolson there now. And Tolson's a Nick Emery 2.0 without the arrogance and attitude and ego. <laughs> uh, speaking of Tolson, uh he was only 2-9 from the field. He's only 1-6 from deep. Dude, if, if someone would have told me that Tulsa would be held to 5 points, 4 assists in 30 minutes, I would have told you we win by 10. Yeah. I would have told you we win by 10. But TJ Haas goes 6-13, 4-10 from deep for 16 points. He had 5 assists. He did have 3 turnovers, but in 37 minutes of basketball, he, I thought he was phenomenal. I thought Yoli Childs was great. I thought Yoli Childs was so good. 9-15, of 2-2 um, from deep. Uh, he had 10 boards, 20 points. One block, I but just defensively he was so 
He was everywhere. Um, Barcelo was great in the second half. Like, but it just it all comes back to like you just you got to make shots, man. Right. He, I, I thought the Utah State defensive yeah. effort was really solid. It was great. Holding holding BYU well below their average, but Utah State just couldn't get the ball in the hoop. And it seemed odd that in a close game with about three minutes to go, Utah State's kind of still slow playing, walking up the court, taking their own sweet time. When they were trailing, I, I was really surprised at the what seemed to be what appeared to be a lack of urgency. And I know that probably wasn't the case, but it certainly appeared to be this team that didn't seem to have this instinct. Like we got to get the lead here, we got to win this game. I just there were so many possessions in a row where they just would slow play it, just walk it up, take their time getting into their sets. It's like you guys know you're trailing, right? You're not trying to secure a lead by milking the clock, right? So I was a little surprised by that. Uh, and frankly, we've this is a pattern that's a little frustrating and disturbing that if Brock Miller doesn't hit a shot early, he's not nearly as effective. He's dramatically different throughout the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't make an early shot, you can't count on a lot of offense coming from him. He missed an early shot. It was an air ball, and it seemed like he was really gun shy for the rest of the game. Now, he did have that pull gun- up three. Yeah, I was going to say in a transition three, he, he had pulled that up transition and pull up three, which was great. But beyond that, I mean, it just he wasn't looking for a shot. Well, you know what? Here, here's the problem: is <laughs> like you, he shoots too much, and you and, and and Aggie fans yell at him. He doesn't shoot enough, and Aggie fans yell at him. Like there's no win. You know, like Sam Merrill went two of ten. No one's saying a damn word. Sam Merrill went two of ten, man. I think for me, for my criticism of Miller is just that he's so inconsistent. So is Sam Merrill. Uh, Sam Merrill is not always inconsistent. Yes, he is. Well, right, Sam Merrill is, is pretty consistent. This he's pretty year, much the model of consistency. Year, you're saying he's consistent this year. That's what you're telling me? He's more reliable. Hold on. Um, uh, I have, man, if you know, maybe I have it on the back here. Uh, I'm going to look up Sam Merrill's numbers this year as of right now. Okay, I'm looking at him right now. You're looking at Sam's like season numbers right now. 28 points against Montana State, 14 against Weber, 14 against Denver, 10 against NCA&T. 21 against UTSA, 24 against LSU. I mean, there's a few games in there where he didn't score a heck of a whole lot, but they were really bad teams. Yeah, he wasn't great when he played against Weber. It didn't matter. Uh, he had 24 against LSU, 5 against North Texas. He was, I think he was hurting in that game. He was not able to score much at all. 23 at St. Mary's. 14 against San Jose, 24 against Fresno. All right, so let's go with this. He's 5 of 14 versus Montana State, 5 of 11 versus Weber State, 3 of 6 versus Denver, 4 of 9 versus A&T. He was 7 of 15 versus uh, UTSA, 5 of 12 versus LSU, 0 of 6 versus North, Te- North Texas, 9 of 19 versus St. Mary's, 5 of 14 versus San Jose State, Nine to sixteen versus Fresno State and two to ten versus BYU. So he takes a lot of shots. If if Brock Miller does that, man, you guys are screaming at him. Look, Brock so what, Miller was. What's the difference? Well, Brock Miller was scoring in double figures in four of the first five games. He's only done that once since. And Brock Miller, in that regard, was I uh, just I lost it. Anyways, um, yeah, you're right. Brock Miller hasn't scored a whole lot either, uh, and but I mean, he's I guess he's still trying to find rhythm in his shot. And and there's there's a like there's a level of patience you have to understand with for Brock. I feel like I think Coach Smith might have said that one time. That's that's supposed to be off the record though. Uh, yeah, Brock Miller in the last few games was 
one of four, three, seven, three, six, three of eight, one of five, eight of twenty-two, and two of six. Holy crap, eight of twenty-two. Nineteen of those were threes. <laughs> right. He chucked up a lot of three point shots against St. Catherine. So look, look, so I guess what I'm saying is that there's like no one's consistent right now except for Justin Bean. Justin Bean is our lone consistent player right now. I you know, I think you could make that as a general statement for the whole basketball team, yeah. Because even Sam Merrill has not been the model of consistency. He's been the most consistent of anybody besides Justin. Under Next least, to Justin. Not, next to Justin. Justin has been the most consistent player on this team so far this year. Right. You know what you're going to get from Justin Bean every night. I would agree with that. Diogo Brito has actually been all right, too. Diogo hasn't been bad. Uh, what? 8 of 15 versus UTSA. He was 4 of 8 versus LSU. 3 of 8 versus North Texas. 2 of 6 versus St. Mary's. 4 of 9 of San Jose State. 2 of 13 versus Fresno State. Yeah, that can't be right. Yeah, I know it is right. Yeah. Uh, 5 of 11 versus St. Catherine and 0 of 5 versus BYU. By the way, they're still undefeated every time Brito scores in double digits. Problem is, Brito's a guy who doesn't really look for a shot. I feel like he, he his role is defensive more than anything. Is 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 to take on their best def- like honestly, like they try to where they put them in a position to be, you know, on one of their two th- best players. He's he's guarding him defensively, and I think that's where his his role is. But I but honestly, I think I think Diogo Brito's been really consistent. And, I, and again, I, so I, if I ranked it, it would be Bean, Merrill, and then Brito. Everyone else isn't even there. Uh, Alfonso was there at the start and has tailed off a lot. What about Abel Porter? No. No. Nope. Uh, what? Let's see. Two so since LSU 0 of three, two of three, one of four, oh of five, three of five, three of five, five of seven. So we had like four really horrendous games, and it's had three straight good games. Thirteen, eight, and thirteen in points in the last three games. The great thing about Abel is that he doesn't turn over the ball. I mean he's had one turn he had what? One turnover versus BYU. Mm-hmm. He had three versus Fresno. Correct. But he had like one turnover in each of those three games before that. He's Abel's been I guess the great thing about well, so I guess I should take back what I said. In regards of taking care of the ball, Abel has been really, really, really good. As in regards of being a scorer, Abel's finally coming to life. But you're gonna need that more and more as the season goes on. South Florida is talented in the backcourt. Really, um, look, they're five and four on the season, but don't look at their record. That's a talented front backcourt they've got. So with that, Abel, um, Abel's probably your best, but ball carrier, if you will. I don't know, ball handler. There you go. Thank you. Uh, in regards of just I mean defensive and offensive presence underneath the rim, it's Bean. Defensively, in regards of guard, it's 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 Brito. Sam, just scoring lots of points, but it's not efficient. Well, and I wonder how much of it is that really how healthy is Sam that's right the now. other part. I would and yeah, that's the I was, I was about were- to. Put an asterisk on everything I just said about him. Because he was missing shots Saturday that normally he would be money. Yeah, Coach is actually, I think he said a couple of times, Sam's not 100%. He's not. He is beat up right now. Uh, and I think that, and, and, and the problem is, is the way the schedule's created, they don't have a lot of time to rest. No. They are now getting ready for South Florida on Wednesday in Houston, Texas. Fly across the country, and in two days, you play Florida Gators. Come back home, and then on the 28th, they've got Eastern Oregon. I sit him. Yeah, don't let him. Play. I sit him again. If he screams and f- 
fights and you know throws a tantrum, which is what you want your best player on the on the team to do, the captain of your team to do, which he should. You say, look, you're sitting. That's how it is. That's how you're going to like it. And you're going to get ready for UNLV and San Diego State because guess what? UNLV is a conference game and it's a big one. And it's at UNLV. Then you come home for what uh, an Aztec team that most likely now, they've gotten through the hard part of their schedule, will probably be undefeated coming into our house on January 4th. Now, latest rankings are out in the top 25 and San Diego State moved up. No surprise. One of only, what, now four teams that remain undefeated? Yep, and they made the biggest jump going five spots to 20th. Yep. Uh, They're ranked 20th in both polls. Yeah. So San Diego State coming to our house, an 8 p.m. game. Um, Yeah, it's just, golly. It's, it's you have to rest, Sam. And Brito's another guy who's going to have to sit Eastern Oregon. I think you sit Brito and you sit Sam and everyone else plays. Brito's got a rest. Yeah, let let Sean Bearstow, let Trevin Dorius. By the way, Sean didn't play against BYU, did he? He sat the whole night. Uh, he did not get any minutes. Yeah. It was a very tight rotation. It was Dorius only played four. Yep. So you're looking at so what they did against Fresno State, he did against BYU. With the exception of Anderson, your veterans played Keta, Brito, Miller, Porter, Merrill, Bean. Yeah, it was a very tight bench. Meanwhile, so you're looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys who had double-digit minutes. Meanwhile, Childs, Lee, Barcelo, Tulson, Hawes, Nixon, and Harding. So I guess that's seven two. But they add Celius come off or come on the court and Trevin Nell. But Nell only played four. Yeah, he's not really going to his bench in a couple of these big-time games, is he? Sam Merrill played every minute. He never sat. Yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. When your guy, and, and again, I'm not going to try and beat Coach Smith here because he, the, the guy knows what the heck he's doing. Um, but you need your, 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 your top dude, guy's got to have gas in the tank yeah. and close out a game. Yeah. Sam, Sam played every single minute of that game. No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. Played 40 minutes. Yeah, he played 40. Um, can't happen. It, Eric, it can't happen. It just, you you got to, look, you have, we talked before the season about how deep this team is. You've got to let it come together. And when you're making Sam, well, no, sorry. When you're allowing Sam to play 40 minutes, a guy who's probably less than 80%, may not, less than 70% healthy, can't do it, man. Find find ways. Get Barristow in there, and look, he and maybe Barristow is just gonna be overwhelmed by the moment, right? Packed house, rivalry game, neutral court, BYU. Maybe maybe he didn't feel like Sam or uh, Barristow was gonna be ready for that moment. But but look, it was it was frustrating, obviously, to for Utah State to lose to BYU. It's a team you, fans don't want to lose to. And it's now eight in a row for BYU over Utah State. But this team is going to be okay. I I'm, had. I'm a little surprised that, with all the talk about the depth of this team, that we're not seeing Sam. that depth get used. That's what I just said. Yeah, I'm. I'm a little surprised by that this late in the in the season. Yeah. Me too. Especially with some of the injuries that have been. Uh, because well, Alfonso went 27, right? On the other night against BYU, he went 27. Bean, who was bothered by foul trouble all night long, went 21. Dude, Bean only played 21 freaking minutes. Well, he got that third foul in the first half, and he had to sit down for the rest and couldn't get back in. Oh, and by the way, you knew it was going to be a heck of a long night when in two seconds Brock Miller's got his first foul. And and Randy McCall, who's usually a pretty good ref, just blew. Dude, he was garbage. I thought the refs were okay. I know there's a lot of debate about the, which deservedly so, about the the missed three that was ruled as a two, and they what? never went back and corrected it. Yeah. Um, Here's the crazy. There were a part. couple of plays down low that were really physical that they let them play. Yes. And then another series where 
guy barely, Justin barely breathed on Childs, and he got called for a foul. By the way, so there was some inconsistency there. There, but was. I thought by and large it was a pretty decent officiating crew. Utah State the free throw line, fourteen of sixteen. BYU, one of three. Yeah, so Utah State fans, I don't think should have a whole lot of arguing arguments about how this game was officiated because Utah State got to the line. Okay, but still, like, just I mean, there's there was some consistency, but at times there wasn't. Like, you didn't know what you could do. Now, I would agree with that because there were times where man, yeah. they're really like physical they're down banging low, down low, and then and there's nothing times happened. Where, like you said, Justin Bean is just slide stepping with Hilly Childs, barely nudges him, foul call. So you're like, wait, what? What am I exactly supposed to do here? How am I supposed to guard this guy to your to your appeasement? Uh, but dude, man, just so frustrating, Eric, to lose to BYU. I mean, now, and in fact, I was talking to Al earlier today, and. You think about all the great things, all the great things that some of these players have done at Utah State, right? In the last nine years. There's a lot of them. Jalen Moore and Sam Merrill never beat BYU in their career. That's That just blows my mind. That sucks. So badly. They never beat BYU in their career. Man, that yeah, that one's gonna bother them for a while. To be to be very honest with you, uh, and that's a game they should have won. I mean, look, they they make some of those looks, and it's it changes the game in its entirety. So, uh, yeah, too bad. Sixty eight, sixty four. Your final. Utah State now gets ready to hit the road to face South Florida. They love this morning, um, or I guess early afternoon. Uh, they take on South Florida. Bulls? Is it South Florida Bulls? The Bulls. Okay. Yes, the Bulls and the Aggies. And then they head near the Swamp in Miami to take on the Gators on Saturday. Just a brutal, a freaking brutal road trip uh, before the holiday season. And then you got Eastern Oregon on the 28th. So really for Sam Merrill, he'll have a whole week to rest before conference play really does kick into full gear. Yeah, that that is some silver lining yeah. in that. All right, coming up next year in the Full Court Press, uh, let's talk about some high school basketball, shall yeah, we? Yeah, let's Region do it, 11 man. teams. We haven't really talked to high school hoops Really much at all here so far in the uh, uh, full court press this season and the basketball season. So we'll update you on what happened over this past weekend, where things currently stand. Uh, these teams have games this week, and then they have the Christmas break. And uh, some of them will play for uh, New Year, and then they're right into region play. So we'll give you an update on where things currently stand in Region 11. It was an interesting uh, weekend with some of these teams playing kind of close to home in a tournament. So we'll update you on all that. Coming up next here on the Full Court Press. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson, and Ajay Salveson, Full Court Press rolling on here on a Monday. Just a reminder... Utah State's bowl game against Kent State, the Frisco Bowl, will have full play-by-play coverage. Thanks to our friends at the Frisco Bowl working things out. And uh, so local fans will be able to hear the Aggie game. It'll be easier to find. It'll be on KVNU, 610 AM, 102.1 FM. So KVNU game day will start at 3.30, full two-hour pregame, special bowl edition. And then we'll have the full play-by-play, and as soon as it's done, we'll break it all down as to what happened with the final game of the 2019 football season for USU football. And news today that David Woodward is going to skip his senior season and pursue going to the NFL. Um, Too bad, unfortunate that he had the injuries that he did, so he only played in seven games, but despite that, still leads the team in total tackles. So uh, he doesn't look like he will participate in the bowl game, though, as he will prepare for the NFL draft. Uh, Utah State basketball had a game against BYU over the weekend, losing 68-64. to Close game. Uh, a couple of things could have gone different ways, and uh, well, a lot of different ways, frankly, the way things were, were executed and called. Utah State just could not make a basket to close this thing out. Uh, now they turn their attention to South Florida, 
when they face them in Houston, in a venue where they're familiar. Yeah. Um, uh, being playing down there. Actually, no, this is going to be. Wait, is this at the University of Houston where this is played? No, or it's at the, the Toyota Center. It's at the Toyota Center where, where the Rockets, Rockets play. play. Oh, okay. Because they were in Houston a year ago, but mm-hmm. that was at the University. Yeah, this will be another NBA arena. Cool for them to be able to do that. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, I think it's awesome. And we'll find out more about the Bulls uh, tomorrow and on Wednesday. So uh, high school basketball is in full swing. It has been now for a few weeks. And, uh, Ajay, have you looked at the standings for Region 11? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I've actually done some peeking. Uh Really interesting. Bear River is sitting at five and zero. Yeah, yeah. I raise your hand if you saw that coming. They have wins over Ben Loman, Ogden, North San Pete, Northridge, and Roy. Now, granted, Skyview's two losses are to two very quality teams. One being Corner Canyon, and the other being Timpview in that Elite Eight tournament. Got blasted by both of them. Um, but so I mean, taking a credit that. Uh, otherwise, after that, it, it it man, the region's really, really. In fact, this and this is what's going to hurt by River and Skyview the most. This region is not that good. Green Canyon's three and three, Ridgeline one and four, Logan one and five, Mountain Crest one and six. Kind of a rough pre-region schedule not, here. Yeah, not looking that great for regional. And and those RPI rankings will start to come out December twenty seventh yep. is when the first ones are released. Uh, and four A, you expect to see not a lot of. Gratitude or a lot of credit given to Region 11 based on what they're seeing so far. Uh, so, yeah, kind of surprising, this, the, the level of play in uh, Region 11 right now. It's going to be interesting to see what Region 11 looks like when it does get to Region 11 play. You know, does, does, is Bear River really that good? Uh, Mark Huber, Ren Fonsbeck versus Mason of Sam Phipps. Last year, Mason Faltov and the Skyviews just, I mean, put on a clinic against Bear River both times. Uh, I think he had 36, Mason had 36 at Bear River in a winner-take-all game for regional. I mean, it's just, they're so good. Uh, I guess Skyview can be when they, when it's team basketball. But I think what Tim Few and Corner Canyon did is put out a blueprint of how to shut Skyview down. Look, you can let Mason score, I mean, 30 for all he wants. Shut everybody else down and make him do it all on his own. And that's when they got into a lot of trouble. Uh, Green Canyon is sitting at three and three with wins over Judge Memorial, Star Valley, and Century. Uh, they played in the Preston Indian Classic over the weekend. Uh, had a really, really close game. Lost to Middleton by one, um, but they also have losses to Box Elder and Roy. Uh, they're benefiting from some Skyview transfers that are helping them out. Yeah, the DeBoer boys, right? It's pretty good. Uh, but Ridgeline, Logan, Mountain Crest. They're they're really struggling. Yeah, Mount Crest get some is, consistency. And, and the and, and the surprising thing is that Mount Crest is senior late and heavy, and they have seven seniors on this team. And they're still having issues. Logan surprises me a lot because uh, I really like Logan Brown as a coach. Really, really like him as a coach. I think he's very smart, very high IQ. Not sure why the struggle is at one and five though. That one kind of surprises me. Ridgeline doesn't surprise me at one and four though. They've lost a lot of talent, including Landon Branchley, have a new coach. Uh it's you know, you're trying to fill it out again. So. I think they're playing a lot of young players. Uh extremely young. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, Logan got their, their opening night win and they've struggled since then. Although they haven't been blown out. I mean, they've had some really close games. They just haven't been able to seal the deal. Uh they're down in St. George this weekend at the Coach Walker Classic. They have three games and three nights. Um, see if they can get some things going there against some of those teams in Southern Utah in uh, Region 9. When does Region play begin? Is that late January, mid-January? When is... uh, it's early January. I think it's January 3rd. Nope, January 10th. Sorry. Well, at least that's when Skyview's... By the way, January 10th, opening night of Region play, Skyview's at Bear River. Ooh. That's a way to start it off. Oh, that's right. January 3rd, most teams play, but it's a, their last out-of-region game that they yeah. have. Uh, Green Canyon, they're in a tournament up in Burley that weekend, but uh, everybody else has something out of out of region. And then um, January 10th is when region play begins. Oh, it's going to be fun again. You can see the full schedule on cashvalleydaily.com. Go to the sports. 
Uh, hey, I don't remember high school sports, and then we've got the the links to to listen live as well on the radio stations that these games are carried on. I don't remember region play being that short. Like they're done on February fourteenth. I swear we went like one or two weeks longer than that. Well, that's crazy. You, you got this uh, extended playoffs again. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. So the first two rounds are at home sites. So it's February eighteenth, or is it? Uh, yeah, February 18th and 21st at home sites. And then the state tournament's going to be down at Weber State. So it's back on the north end of the state again. That's February 27th, 28th, and 29th at Weber State. Hmm. But, yeah, kind of an interesting start to region play. I'm frankly a little surprised the, the way that it's uh, started out. Um, and I think when we get a little bit closer to region play – We'll uh, we'll touch base with some of our play-by-play guys and see what they're seeing on the court. Uh, just that these teams are trying to schedule higher opponents to look better in RPI, even though they're not winning games, or are they just really struggling to come together in the early season? So it could be a variety of, of different things in play. Uh, coming up next year on the Full Court Press, uh, some news out of the Mountain West Conference Several players suspended. A couple guys are going to miss their bowl game. A couple guys are going to miss the start of the season next year. Discipline being handed out by the Mountain West. We'll let you know who's involved and uh, how that might affect some things coming up uh, later on uh, this month or early next month and the start of the 2020 football season. All that's coming up here in the Full Court Press. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric France and Andre Salveson here on the Full Court Press. Thanks for tuning in on a Monday. A couple things to uh, remind you about. we got Utah Jazz back in action tomorrow night. Skyview Hoops, they'll be playing later on this week. And on Friday, it's the Utah State football team in Frisco, Texas, in the Frisco Bowl. And we'll Frisco. Full play-by-play coverage on KVNU. Frisco Casco. It's kind of like that scene where uh, the movie Elf, <laughs> where he goes to work with his dad, and he's like in the trench coat, and he's trying to be all proper. <laughs> yeah. Francisco. Sitting in the corner. Well, he introduces him Francisco. to Francisco. That's a fun name to say. Francisco. <laughs> I forgot about that movie. Uh, you Mountain West Conference today announcing some additional suspensions. Now, these first made some suspensions a week ago. They announced uh, the suspensions from uh, the Nevada side of things. There was a post-game fracas that happened, uh, broke out between Nevada and UNLV. Kerfuffle. At the end of the game, and it got a little ugly, and the Mountain West has been examining things. Last Tuesday, they announced that Nevada football players Austin Arnold, Daniel Brown, Hacia Sekona, and Gabriel Sewell will be suspended for their actions in it. So Arnold will serve a two-game suspension. Brown and Sakona will serve a one-game suspension. Sewell is suspended for half a game. And that starts this uh, on January 3rd at the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. <laughs> and you know what? It's Arnold will also miss the first game of the 2020 season. It's a gift. That you're going to miss the Idaho Potato Bowl. <laughs> okay? It's a gift. You should be grateful. So Sewell will not be able to play in the first half. He will in the second half. On that was the craziest brawl, man. And you know what? Nevada fans really proved who they were. Like one, I saw one fan rip off a helmet off a player and then raise it in the air. And then I saw, I mean, okay, this isn't funny part, but I saw like beer bottles being thrown into. I mean, just what the yeah, fetch is your problem? Uh, for UNLV's side of things. Evan Ostry, Noah Bean, Giovanni Faolo Sr., and Justin Polu have been suspended, while Steve Jenkins, he's been issued a public reprimand. Now, Faolo will serve a two-game suspension. Ostry and Bean will serve a one-game suspension. Polo suspended for half of a game. And so 
uh, Austria and Polu, they don't, they're no longer eligible mm-hmm. to play, they graduate. Mm-hmm. So UNLV has to come up with some own, some of their own disciplinary actions. Uh, and because they're not going bowling, the other guys, that'll be affected on their first game of the regular season next year. Spicy. Don't be dumb, kids. Yeah. Don't be taking don't do football helmets off of of players. Please don't do that. It's just, no. just. I mean, and don't throw any. That's the other. Like, why do you throw something? You, you throw morons. Uh, full court press pick six for the week. Let's run through that real quickly, shall we, Ajay? Sure, go ahead. Justin Bean rebounds versus BYU. We set the line at 11.5, and, and he had 10. You took the under on that, so you got that correct. I went over. Uh, USU rebounding margin versus BYU. I set it at the 7.5. It was actually 6. We both took the under, so we got that correct. Alec Burke's points uh, versus the Utah Jazz on Friday. He he's actually scored 24, and the over and under was 18.5. I took the over. So now I've got two and you've got two. So right now we're even. Uh, Lamar Jackson combined yards. Uh, you set it at 175.5. We both went over because we knew that was going to be way over. And he got 298. So at this point, we're tied 3-3. Three and three. Ryland Jones points versus Weber State. You set it at 17.5. Turns out he didn't play for Utah. Yeah, so don't tell me you freaking had rib issues. So he scored zero points. We both took the over and didn't get anything. So it comes <laughs> down to this last one. Utah, margin of victory over Weber State. You set it at 19.5. It was actually 11. I yeah. took the under, you took the over. Thank you, Weber State, for keeping it close. Thank you, Utah, for just sucking like you always do. Way to go in garbage time. So I get the win. <laughs> After what? A bunch of weeks of pushes. Yeah, dude. We had First time somebody has a winner. So I owe you something now. All right. The NCAA net rankings are out. We'll discuss those next. Now we're here on the Full Court Press. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Sometimes I wonder how people viewed NFL officials before television. I assume they couldn't see replays, so even if there was a bad call, they weren't really sure. But now second-guessing calls is part of every game. Sunday was no exception. This time it was during the opening coin toss. The officials thought the Cowboys said they wanted to kick off, which is different than deferring. They would have had to kick off in the first half and then again in the second half. But apparently Dak Prescott did say the word defer. The NFL stepped in at halftime and ruled Dallas would actually get the ball to start the third quarter. Turned out to be meaningless. The Cowboys blew out the Rams, but it was emblematic of a tough season for the officials. Human error I get. The fear is the NFL will overcomplicate the game and make it harder to avoid mistakes. When there is a bad call and the game hasn't even started, you know the NFL better take a long, long look at the state of officiating when this season ends. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.